you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hello and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks and I am your host and I'm delighted to be your guide to show you the way and support you through your retail transformation. Thank you for tuning in. This one is episode 146, number 146. Department stores always attract a lot of attention in the media and in social media as well. And many questions have been asked about their future over the past few years. We see some big transformational shifts in some of the department stores and not much in others. And to me, it really raises the question about what is the future of the department store? And actually, where do you draw the line in terms of department stores? As you look at companies like Next, who are branching into beauty categories, for example, does that make them a department store? How about companies like Ikea? Are they a department store? Where do you draw the line? So today, to show us the way and give you some food for thought as to what a future for department stores could be, I'm delighted to welcome Kate Trotter onto the show. Kate is the head of trends at Insider Trends, a retail innovation and optimization consultancy. And she's worked with companies like Chanel, Galerie Lafayette, Levi's, Tesco, Swarovski, and many others. Kate keeps her finger firmly on the pulse on physical stores and regularly scouts stores around the world and has delivered retail safaris, again, all around the world. So she has this first-hand understanding of many different stores and has seen what's worked and what doesn't and how things have evolved over time. As you will hear in this conversation, that comes in very useful as we start to think about what the future of the department store will be. Kate has also been named a a top retail global influencer and also was a fabulous speaker at Retail Transformation Live 3, which happened just a few weeks ago. Show notes from today are going to be over at obandco.uk slash 146. That's obandco.uk slash 146. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation with Kate Trotter. So I'm delighted to be sitting down with Kate Trotter today. Kate, how are you? And welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. Really excited to chat to you about a few ideas. Absolutely. Well, we are going to be diving into one of the most commonly talked about areas of retail, I personally think, and that is the department store, which has certainly been under the spotlight for the past few years, certainly, and definitely over the COVID period as we reassess uh, how and why department stores are. But let's just get all on the same page here, Kate, shall we? What are we talking about? What is a department store in retail in 2021? Good question. I would pose a question that Possibly the word department stores is not actually serving department stores anymore. <laughs> Go on, explain. Yeah, existential very early. 
I'm starting to think, or I've been thinking for a while, actually, that department stores may be better off thinking of themselves as relationship platforms. And also, I think they're being held back by the word store. When we think of retail space as possibly being a more useful term, like the store doesn't need to store things anymore. Thinking of yourself as a store is possibly not helping the future of your department store slash relationship platform business. Yeah. Okay. So let's explode this relationship platform concept. What do we mean yep. by, by a relationship platform then? Okay. So there's a few things that are made up of this. So one part of this is thinking that it's not about the store anymore, that these brands need to think of themselves as omni-channel businesses. And when we think about third-party retail, possibly the future of third-party retail is not selling to customers. It's actually selling to brands. Mm. So I was thinking, I mean, we all know about beta or beta, as you say, in the US. Um, (laughs) I've I've been saying it wrong for years and and missing out the eight in the name only because I'm thoroughly British. So I say it beta. Anyway. That's okay. (laughs) So obviously beta did a few interesting things, but one of the most interesting things was that they saw the space as a space for marketing. They stopped caring about where people were buying the product and they realized that their function was actually to introduce new and interesting products to their audience, which is already following what they're doing. Mm. And that's the other part of this piece, actually, is that Beta is such a strong brand, they do have their own following. So Google. Obviously, do they have, what, $3 billion in the bank? They probably have more, but they have billions of dollars in the bank. Take a quick stock check, yep. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They are not poor. They could, I mean, they could probably buy Selfridges, couldn't they? Imagine that if Google bought Selfridges. Anyway, they could open a store wherever they wanted, but they decided to rent out part of Beta's space because Beta have the following of cool trendsetters, cool influencers, the people they want to seed their products with. And really, department stores or whatever we're going to call them from now on could take a lot from this in that I think they should be doing more to actually connect with a series of customers to actually build this following of customers. And they can then kind of sell that back to brands. Mm. So actually, I guess the value chain, the value relationship is is flipping. Yeah. So they're selling access and eyeballs to the brands rather than the other way around. Yeah, that makes sense. And we've seen this sort of relationship in in many different parts of retail, including in the classic department store, particularly in the beauty hall, I'm thinking. Mm. You've obviously got all, all the different houses setting up stall, so to speak, and a deal going on behind the scenes there as well. And I think it's interesting that actually the whole relationship starts to shift. It reminds me, actually, as you were describing what Beta are doing, it reminds me of actually how Apple first started looking at the store in terms of looking at it as a, a marketing spend rather than as a P&L in its own right, right? Mm. It is guiding down towards there that if we're talking about a physical building, I'm sure we'll get onto digital later on. <laughs> 
Mm. It does raise the question of what is what is the purpose and what is the success factor of having this almighty building, right? Mm. I also think we're going to see a bit of an evolution of that. So we taught some of our clients about that big store as almost being a tourist attraction. We invite our clients to actually look themselves up on TripAdvisor and see where they rank in terms of top attractions in, well, whatever city they operate in. Because actually for the big store, when you think probably the role of the big store is to offer that compelling experience or that unmissable experience. Mm. So whenever you go to that city, what is it that's going to make people think they have to go to that space, even if they don't think they want to buy something? Mm. So yeah, big space is going to focus more on, on that possibly. But then it's also going to be supported by smaller micro stores. I mean, it's been around for a long time, but Nordstrom Local, I think, began this concept. There were some great numbers behind that. We're seeing businesses like IKEA roll out something similar. So I think that's another part of this, actually, is to use your big space as the massive, unmissable emporium, but have your tiny, possibly high street spaces that just offer a really great experience. You can maybe order from the full range through digital. And yeah, you get the best of both worlds. You get the best of the in-person and the digital. Mm. And that visibility piece as well that we've all seen in terms of you have a store and you see that sort of digital uplift in the nearby postcodes or zip codes. Mm. And actually something else that we've talked to a few brands about is um, putting these micro stores in other cities. So if someone comes to London and they visit their favorite department store and they build that relationship with them in the big, in the big space. Yes. When they do their Christmas shopping, could they get some advice from the micro store in Tokyo or in Stockholm, have things shipped out to them there and essentially continue that department store brand experience from wherever Mm. they're based. So actually, these brands could quite quickly and affordably become global or more global brands than they are today. Which is really interesting when you bring it back to your, your concept of the relationship platform, right? And actually building that trust, building that loyalty, building that ongoing touch point, really, and service point as well with a customer actually wherever they are in the world i hadn't hadn't thought about it in that sense myself you know i was thinking within the country but you're absolutely right you know from a tourism perspective bringing someone into a massive flagship like a selfridges and then people disappearing off all corners of the world Mm. but then still being able to to have that relationship is brilliant Mm. have you seen that being done anywhere really well already kate um no. <laughs> in a, Gauntlet in a word, laid down think... for everyone there. Okay, you get to be the first one. Because let me tell you, Kate knows everything there is to know about stores around the world. So <laughs> it, it, we, we don't, we, this, is, this is carving new ground. Why, why not? Why do, why do you think we haven't got there yet? Well, I think um, so a lot of what we do is we base our theories and new concepts based on clues from what we see. So mm. a little piece of this exists in a number of different businesses around the world, but it definitely does not exist in this holistic way that I'm hopefully describing it to you now. Yes. But I mean, that's how, I don't want to say predicting the future, but that's how 
yeah, I guess trend forecasting works, I guess. You, you see little clues and little seeds emerging and you kind of stitch things together. Hopefully you sense check it. <laughs> and um, at some point you see a version of that emerge. So I've been doing this for long enough to, to learn that it doesn't emerge exactly as you paint that picture. But um, <laughs> I'm sure when executives from various uh, department stores rework this, that there'll be some version of this that comes true. Mm. So yeah, diff- different variations of this are emerging around around the world. And I can talk you through some of those examples or more of those examples if you want. Yes, yes, please. Can I share the other important part of this piece, which is about relationship building and data? Mm. It's essentially, again, understanding that department stores don't have to be limited by bricks and mortar. Really, they should possibly start a relationship in the store but they should continue it online and they can build better relationships by constantly learning about the customer. So by encouraging customers to give their email addresses when they're in the store or maybe inviting them to download the brand app, but actually capturing as much information about that customer to the customer's benefit as they can, whilst the customer is in the space, but also when they interact online. And essentially, if that retailer can be the brand that understands the customer the best, that is what third-party brands are going to pay for. Mm. So it's about understanding the customer better than any other brand and presenting that information well to the brands that they work with. That makes a lot of sense in as much as it's valuable for the brand because they know they're targeting their perfect customer, but it's also then valuable for the department store for, for want of a better term, right at the moment, <laughs> we'll have to rename it, obviously. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> valuable for them because they know they're going to deliver value and that brand relationship will become a, a loyal relationship, right? That mm. uh, continues over time and next season, that brand will want to come back in because they know they've had a positive experience. They know they've been able to connect in a relevant way. Mm. So uh, yeah, it's very exciting actually when you think about it. Mm. And I think when you think about the role of these department stores is actually being to help brands in a way, to make it easy for brands to come to market or to launch, or even just have a bigger presence in a certain market, then you can start to think about how that role might change. I don't know if you know Wolf and Badger. Have you heard of them? I've, I've heard of them. I don't know a great deal about them, to be honest. Okay. So they are a very small department store, let's say. They started out by charging graduate designers and independent designers to be stocked in their small store. They've now got a bigger space in Cold Drops Yard in King's Cross. Yes, very, of course. Yes. Very beautiful. But part of what they do, because they see that they are actually working for the designers, they actually have a team who advise those designers from time to time. And the designers are allowed to use the store for like showcases or Wolf and Badger will actually help these designers um, with their PR or they'll introduce them to journalists or connections that they have within the industry. So it's interesting because 
yeah, Wolf and Badger understand that if they're serving the brands, they can sell them space, but they can actually support them and sell other services alongside that. Mm. So maybe that's another possibility for these department stores too, is essentially saying to brands, okay, I don't know, you're, you're wanting to develop this new type of product. We can drill into our customer data and we can advise you to help guide the product developments. And of course, that's what Alibaba have been doing for years. Yes. So, you know, so this is what I mean about there are clues of this yeah. that we can just piece together, essentially. If you know enough about the customer, brands are going to pay you to guide them. Absolutely. And it, it, it sort of bounces off me something that I've certainly felt for a long time and, and, and encouraged in as much as we talk about customer experience a lot. We talk about employee experience a bit. We never talk about supplier experience. And actually, there's a huge opportunity there because you form a team mm. that is there to support each other and really give the best employee experience, give the best customer experience. Mm, you've coined a phrase there, Ollie. Supplier experience. <laughs> it's good. It's it's a really good point, actually, because also um, I was thinking about. Well, I think Westfield's one market thing has been start stop. But again, we see that in innovation. People have great ideas. They don't work out the first time, but it doesn't mean it's a bad idea that's never going to emerge. It's mm. just possibly it was too early. But anyway, um, one market was all about realizing that Westfield could supply brands with more than space alongside supplying space. Westfield could supply a plug and play tech system mm. to make it really easy for brands to essentially run a digitally connected omni-channel business in one of their malls. Mm. And so possibly that's something that a department store could do as well. I can't remember who I was talking to, but this was years ago, actually. We were talking about the concept of the USB store, yep. a store that you could just kind of walk up to with your USB stick and you could just plug in your stick and suddenly like all the screens or the displays or the projections in this space would actually tailor themselves mm. to your brand. So maybe that's a bit too forward thinking. Well, you say that, I'm, I'm thinking of the Souk store. I'm not sure if you've, you've heard of the, the Souk store where mm. you essentially you are renting the store by the hour and you can, using screens, completely transform the look. It's, it's quite an interesting concept that, yeah, it changes certainly the ease of doing a pop-up store. Mm. But to, to your point about, you know, Westfield and stuff, it, you know, if you look at the future of the retail landlord and the future of the classic department store kind of begin to merge and like quite a lot of crossover right oh totally there's yeah department stores and landlords have so much in common they may actually be helpful for department stores almost to see themselves like landlords mm. i think if they're not already because mm. the role is almost the same they're almost renting space i guess well, particularly as you look at the likes of John Lewis, who are yeah. getting more into residential housing and offices. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah, who literally are becoming yeah, so landlords. That, that, that's yeah. interesting. So let, <laughs> let's um, come back to the relationship platform concept, Kate. I mean, we, we spoke about data a little earlier on. What are the sort of the opportunities and the challenges as well with plugging into the data and, you know, from an existing department store business, I'm thinking here. Mm, yeah, so there's a challenge in that customers don't 
want to give all of their data to <laughs> every brand, right? So I think there's, as with a lot of all this ecosystem stuff, I think the, the trick is to get the timing right. Of course, you don't want to be too early, but you definitely don't want to be too late because once customers have built up a relationship with one brand, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to switch to a competitor. So that might be one of the challenges. I'm always amazed that we're not seeing more sophisticated use of our data as customers. I don't know if you experience this as an actual customer and, and a shopper, but... Um, no, I was just going to say that my experience as a customer seems to be you give your data away and then you get the email newsletter every week. And that is about the, the extent. And it's very 2001, probably. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And possibly that's a bit personalized. Because that's my name. <laughs> maybe. It, yeah, true. Well, this is the thing. I keep seeing all these surveys that say, you know, all, the, all these brands are offering personalization and it doesn't feel like it. And I, as a shopper, I guess I live in an interesting space where I kind of keep thinking about what's possible. And then when I go shopping, experiencing yes. something completely different. But the idea these days of walking into a store and that store not knowing who I am, I don't think they should automatically know who I am, but I think I should be given the option of checking in and telling the brand something about me. So. I can get a better digitally enabled experience. The fact that I can think of a handful of stores offering even something close to that, not, not mm. that experience, but something attempting that experience. We are not there yet. So maybe that's the challenge with data is to really use it to mm. wow customers or just offer that much more satisfying experience. I think there are some, some good examples. I'm thinking of the likes of Furniture Village who are doing some great stuff with uh, omni-channel shopping experiences in terms of if you're buying a sofa, you want to go in and see it in store, you can build a sort of a virtual basket that you can then have a look at and check the measurements when you're back at home rather than saying, oh, what was that? Was it was that the one? You know, scrolling the grids. Was that the run? It's the red one. Oh, I don't know. Mm. Um, so it sort of begins to form this omni-channel seamless journey. Mm, yeah, that is interesting and is exciting for customers for sure. Mm, yeah, and we've seen a couple of stores look at personalised displays, so actually let customers check in, and then what the digital screens show in the store starts to yeah be tailored to yeah. what they're interested in. And I think that's a brilliant concept because then actually annoying marketing or advertising stops being annoying and starts being useful and valuable when it's done right. But um, yeah, I think I was listening to someone, I can't remember who it was, but they were saying that AI and personalization is going to be disappointing until it's amazing. Yep. There's going to be this sudden uptick where, yeah, it, we're really going to see a difference and we are definitely getting there. Yeah. There's that quote, right? That says, I'm going to make mincemeat out of it for sure. <laughs> We, we overestimate the impact of technology in the short term, but underestimate it in the long term. Mm. And I think that's absolutely going to be true when it comes to, to, to AI and personalization. Mm. So I look forward to that moment as a shopper. Definitely. It will blow our mind when it, when it suddenly <laughs> flick up the S, right? Yeah, when it leaves your email. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, thinking outside of data, what are the other sort of elements that we and retailers need to be thinking about? Oh, um, I actually, because I haven't thought about this for a while, I, um, I wrote down a few notes if you'd like to hear them. Definitely, yeah. So hopefully this idea in a nutshell is you should be the retailer that has that following. So if we think of that, having that following both offline and online. And so that is the thing that's going to help brands, encourage brands to pay for so they can actually access your audience. So it's almost like these department stores are actually a magazine. They're selling, instead of selling a page in the magazine for an ad, they're selling a part of the store or a part of their website or a part of their immersive virtual reality experience that brands can tap into. Mm. And they should be the retailer that knows the customer the best. So brands essentially will pay to get that advice and de-risk their expansion or their growth in a particular market. It shouldn't just be about renting space. It could be about renting the tech. So not just the tech in the store. I mean, if you take this idea slightly further, you could start to imagine a, in brackets or apostrophes, department store that almost has its own virtual reality environment. And they have the tech set up to make it really easy for a brand to start to operate in part of that environment. I'm Mm. actually really excited about VR retail experiences because I think people are going to start totally reimagining it's not even what the store could be it's just a whole immersive brand experience again it's not going to happen tomorrow but when it happens that will be really really exciting and also something that we haven't really talked about is to be the retailer that offers fast affordable fulfillment Mm. and possibly fast fulfillment globally are you familiar with shop fulfill and anchor shops no Okay, so I'm very excited about them. I always express this concept incredibly badly. So let's let's see how I go with this. But Shop for Phil and Anchor Shops, they're like sister brands. They're part of the same concept. But what they're doing is they are buying up failing malls around the US and they're turning them into omni-channel. They're partly fulfillment centers and they're partly rentable pop-up spaces. So you could rent a shelf in one of the anchor shops spaces or or a little corner Mm. if you want to. But as part of renting space in the store, you also get access to, uh, well, you also get to be able to put stock in their fulfillment center. And what that means is that they can offer next day delivery throughout a particular region in America. And essentially, they're giving brands all the infrastructure that they need to offer fast next day delivery, eventually all across the country, but without having to manage their own logistics and their own warehouses and everything. So it's essentially, they're taking the idea of pop-ups, making pop-ups really simple, but they're also applying that to next day delivery. So the idea is that a customer could come into the store, they can buy from the store if they want, but if they go home and they decide that they want to buy something the week after, they can still get that really great fast fulfillment because it's all part of the same concept. Mm. And it's I find it fascinating because essentially they're modifying the mall. And this, of course, is something that malls and department stores can do. 
But if they're too slow, then anchor shops, shop fill are going to take over. So yeah, um, so that that's another part of that concept. Yeah, it's absolutely really interesting, but it it needs that sort of bigger picture thought about you know how does the PNL work and all of that side of things that ultimately forms a business case. Mm, yeah, that is still still critically important in the, at the end of the day. And I think it needs people at the top who can imagine a different future for their business or who are bold enough mm. to want to try something different. And I think that's the challenge with this. It's not just saying, put another cafe in your store. It's saying, <laughs> let's completely rethink the business model. Let's reverse the business model. But to me, this makes sense. You're, yeah. you're starting from a foundation in the physical, but you're massively enhancing what the digital can do and make it all work together in a much more efficient way and on, on a much bigger scale too. Yeah, definitely. Wow. I mean, that's, that's really exciting. It's, it does sort of blow your mind when you start to think about it and you start to experiment and play around with some of those sort of more creative concepts that say, let's not just have the four walls of the store and everything plays through there. Let's not just think about omni-channel as click and collect only. And actually, you can start to really do some exciting things beyond adding an extra cafe. Mm, yeah, <laughs> you can start to bring customers like the best of the whole web if you want to. Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of possibilities with this. Mm. So, Ollie, honestly, what do you think? Do you think we're going to see this? Do you think? Do you think we're going to see a version of this? Do you think I'm insane? What's your take on this? <laughs> Well, I think it, the challenge here will be for the for the big department stores. I'm thinking the likes of a John Lewis or a Macy's or someone like that to radically transform their business model. I, I think that's going to be a tough ask for for many. I think we could see some challenger startups coming in and doing something very similar, mm. uh, particularly with the likes of some of these big classic anchor stores that are sitting empty and. There is going to be a huge opportunity, a great rent deal, I'm sure, as well as landlords start to think about how am I going to justify having this on the card, so to speak. I think absolutely we could start to see that relationship platform concept, though, coming true. It makes total sense. You're absolutely right to draw comparisons to, to the likes of Beta. I think the, 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 the concept of having the convenience stores adding in totally sees that coming through and we're already starting to see department stores doing that right you know you've got mm. uh john lewis oh yeah i i read that john lewis are opening concessions in waitrose stores like they're deepening their yeah. relationship with waitrose or their presence in waitrose yeah so they're they're doing smaller convenience stores in that way you know there are there are other department stores and department store type brands like ikea that are also doing that. So I think that makes total sense. And it's a great opportunity to take that relationship and extend it and stay present in a customer's head, stay present in a customer's mind, and actually offers huge opportunities with regard to operations as well, right? In terms of you've got this natural hub and spoke, you may not be able to fulfill everything from a micro store or convenience store, but you can certainly use it to help get goods out that last mile, that customer service touch point, you know, pre and post sale. I think there's, there's some great opportunities. And 
you know, you can start to experiment and start to play around and mm. it could be some really exciting things that you could. Great. That sounds like I'm not mad. So thank, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if some department stores start to remix this or what they decide to do with it. And also what they call themselves, whether we'll see an announcement that, yeah, Harvey Nichols or whoever is renaming themselves or, or the concept, renaming their whole concept. Yes, answers on a, a proverbial postcard then. <laughs> I'd love to hear what everyone else thinks, though, definitely. Um, Kate, what's the best way for people to, to find out more and to get in touch as well? They can have a look at our website, um, which is www.insider-trends.com. They can email me. My email is kate, which is spelled C-A-T-E, at insider-trends.com. Or they can look me up on LinkedIn. We can have a chat on LinkedIn. So, or they can just phone us. The phone number's on the website. So, so (laughs) lots of different ways of getting in touch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just call up and have a chat. Yeah. Yeah, not everything needs to be super sophisticated and digital. The phone is great. Definitely. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. And yeah, it it does have such an exciting future. I know they don't necessarily, department stores don't necessarily attract all of the right headlines all the time. But I think this could be a really exciting part of retail for the next five to 10 and maybe longer years, right? Totally. Yeah. And actually, before we started recording, Ollie, you mentioned quickly that maybe Amazon is is a department store. And this is the thing, with the right vision, it could last forever, right? And actually, you just keep reinventing yourself to keep up with what's going on. And you could be very profitable for a very long time. Absolutely. The transformation continues. Mm. Definitely. Kate, thank you so much for joining me here on the Retail Transformation Show. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. I hope you found that session as thought-provoking as I did. I really enjoyed it and found myself thinking of lots of different things as we go through. So I would genuinely love to hear your thoughts and your reflections. You can reach me at oliver.banks at obandco.uk or find me on LinkedIn. Now, if you enjoyed today's show, then I do encourage you to reach out to Kate. She's absolutely fabulous. And I've also got four additional episodes for you to add to your playlist right now. Firstly, if you enjoyed this episode, I think you should check out the episode called The Return of the Store with Ian Scott, episode 143 where we explored some of the great things that are happening in physical stores right now, which again, supplements and partners this quite nicely. I'd also check out episode 128, where Kathy Hackle joined as we explored the future of retail as you start to think about technologies like VR and AR and the metaverse. Data was, of course, a key theme, so definitely go and check out episode 124, and how to become a data-driven retailer. And finally, given the huge transformational shifts that we were talking about, it would absolutely be worthwhile checking out episode 131, number 131, where I highlighted four traits of transformational leadership and how to go about putting them in place. So those are four episodes that I think you're going to love listening to. So do go and check them out. And if you can't remember, 
then go over to the show notes where you'll find all four of those. So obandco.uk slash 146. That's obandco.uk slash 146. And you can go and check out those four episodes or maybe take a little re-listen to them as well. Thank you for tuning in today. Do please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app. New episodes are released every single Monday and we've got some fantastic episodes coming up. So thank you for listening and I look forward to joining you on another episode of the Retail Transformation Show very soon. Bye for now. Bye for now.